This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on. Well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 294. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where, like Chuck Schumer before us, we never quite know when to stand up and clap. <laughs> uh, folks, I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and I should just let you know that I took a red eye this morning, so I'm feeling particularly ridiculous and unhinged. So if you feel like at any point I'm uh, not the comprehensible or have completely gone off the rails, um, that is why. You could just blame Delta Airlines. All right. Um, oh, but today, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the State of the Union address. We'll also uh, talk about Ukraine, the Supreme Court nominee, and what happens if your friend is dating a real turd. I am so excited by today's panel. Oh my God, you guys. Today's panel is a doozy. Let me tell you, first of all, I have known this gentleman for uh, quite some time because we met as panelists on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So you're already a fan of his from the public radio universe. You already have heard him as co-host of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, which is obviously hilarious. And you should now immediately subscribe to his new podcast called Dad Bam Land. Dad Bam Land. Um, it is the one and only Adam Felder. Hey, Adam. 
<laughs> hey, it's great to be here. Oh, wow, it's good to see you, Nagin. And, and oh. for somebody who just got off a of red eye, that was very lucidly done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I, I, you. I, I like that NPR universe. I think of your podcast and mine as part of the NPR extended universe. Extended universe. We totally, that's exactly <laughs> right, because there's so much, um, there's so much wait, wait happening in on my show. And yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, folks, the other thing is we're all superheroes. So that's the other thing. That, that's why we get that. to call ourselves a universe. <laughs> um, also joining us for the first time today, and I'm so excited because you've heard another host come on this show. And uh, so, again, we're just tangentially adding to the universe, okay? That's what's happening on today's show. Um, she is the co-host of This Day in Esoteric Political History. She's also, no big deal, a historian at Columbia. So she may or may not be, no offense, Adam, the smartest person on the pod today. Understood. Uh, she, is, <laughs> she is the one and only Nicole Hammer. Hey, Nicole. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I, oh I kind of think God. of myself as like the WandaVision here, like the spinoff on right, television. The so a few steps removed. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it's the self-aware podcast on podcasts that's, right. um, that's happening. Guys, I barely was able to make that reference because I have not watched WandaVision, but I've heard people say stuff like that. So I stuck that landing. That I pulled it up. Did it. No, I really you. did. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, before we get into the show, what I would like people to know in America is that on May 4th, I will be at the Irvine Improv. That's right. I will be in Southern California. I will be coming back to my homeland or homeland adjacent in Irvine, California at the Improv on May 4th. Please come out. Um, I would love to see you there. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, Obviously, the Improvs all over America are legendary, each and every one of them. So come. It'll be really a really good time. May 4th uh, at the Irvine Improv and as I've mentioned before, May 6th at Ralph's Rock Diner in Worcester, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I've actually gotten multiple like d- direct messages about this particular venue in Worcester on May 6th. I've gotten so many messages saying that it's people's favorite place to go see shows. So come to some people's favorite place to go see shows on May 6th <laughs> at Ralph's Rock Diner in Worcester, Massachusetts. All right, let us get into it with topic number one. You guys... Biden gave a rousing State of the Union last night, or was it rousing? I don't know. Where are you on your level of having been or not been roused? Initial thoughts. I was suitably roused in the sense that I managed to go to the very end of the State of the Union. Once it hits that kind of domestic policy list of things they'll be doing over the next few years, it can get a little... A little unrousing. But that opening like 15 minutes on Ukraine to actually have a state of the union where both Republicans and Democrats seem excited about what the president is saying is pretty amazing. And we'll get into the Ukraine of it all in the, in the next topic more specifically. But was there something, Adam, that like, you know, jumped out at you about this um, State of the Union in particular? Yeah, well, beyond, beyond the Ukraine and, and, and uh, issue, which we'll get to, but... I had to watch it with my son. He's 13 because he had to watch it for uh, for homework. Nice. And, you know, and I never miss it anyway because, uh, you know, I'm part of the NPR extended universe. Extended universe, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But what I noticed is how comforted I was about 15 minutes in when it turned boring. 
it, it's just so comfortable to be bored at a State of the Union, to not have yeah. the former guy up there, to have somebody who's who's old, who's fumbling for words, but you, you know he's still sharp. You know, and my son was watching and he was, eyes were starting to roll. And I was like, you feel that, boy? Do you feel that? <laughs> That's real That's politics. America. That's real boring America. That's what I yes. miss. <laughs> I mean, we've had presidents who have inspired us in the State of the Union. We've had mm-hmm. presidents who have horrified us in the State of the Union. And to be able to just kind of tune parts of it out yes. feels really good. Like the stakes were very low, which the stakes have not been low in politics for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. I so agree. And, and well, let's talk about one moment that I thought was very interesting. He <laughs> said at some point, again, in the world of, of political nerdery, it, this was a very interesting moment. He said, you know, let's not defund the police. Let's fund the police. And then he repeated, fund the police, like multiple times. Now, was now, he saying this, fund or fun? Well, I, I mean, first of all, you where you are in your life is how you want to hear that. <laughs> Maybe your your son thought fund the police. Maybe I also thought fund the police. But but fund the police is like a direct um I not attack but just like a what he's saying there is look like progressives. We had a little time with that slogan. That slogan sucked a bunch of dicks. Let's not say it anymore. And let's just take the air out of this GOP um, slander of that they they say that we want to defund the police. Let's just like take the air out of that immediately. And I feel like he did that. I mean, I don't know. Nicole, what do you think? I mean, it is a slogan that describes exactly what the Biden administration has been doing, which is funding the police. In fact, it describes what pretty much every locality across the United States has been doing. There's been more money poured into policing um, over the past few years, regardless of what people saw on the streets in June of 2020. So I think that it was politically, you know, it was what Biden believes and it's what his administration is doing. So why not score political points off of it? And he did say, I just to his credit, that there should be reform of the police. They need more resources so they can fucking figure it out and not be shitty, you know? Um, And so I I think as a progressive myself, like, the the question is, do you think progressives, you know, the base or whatever, are pissed that he said that, you know? Uh, Because I'm one of these people that is like, I believe in, in... fixing the police I obviously still think that we need police as a as a thing for public safety like I still think that there should be but I but I do think that there should be different metrics by which we um, hire police officers maybe they should have different types of training like there's so many reforms that should go into it like I'm all about that I just really really hated that slogan I thought that was terrible and totally confusing and didn't make any sense um and so that's where it's so so as a progressive, I wasn't pissed. I was just like, oh, good. Let's just get away from that dumb, like, slogan that doesn't make any sense. But I don't know. Where do you think – do you think, Adam, that he alienated people or did he I, lovinated people? I, I got to say it's a combination <laughs> of two. I kind of agree with both of you. But, I, yes, I, I think some people who have been chanting defund the police are going to be upset by it. But at the same time, I'm 100% with you that that, that slogan just sucked a – Big bag of dicks, and and yeah. and we needed to take that 
to mix metaphors, take that bat out of the hands of Republicans. So it t- saying fund the police rather than defund the police gives cover for the kind of reforms that really need to happen. Like we're not he didn't say what he was going to fund. And what we really need to do is fund things like counselors and interventionists rather than yes, exactly. you know, people with exactly. batons and guns. So I, I, in, in that sense, it does open the door for hopeful reforms and it does take a significant weapon out of the hands. But of, I also like, you know, you mentioned he didn't specifically say what he was going to do. Maybe that's by design. If yeah. you put too much fucking information in these uh, State of the Unions, I know as someone who's given multiple State of the Union addresses, guys, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm still at that third, podium. Nikki, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Remember that time that you went on for like 90 minutes and it was like this that laundry list with really detailed plans? No, she was see, like, I just got off of a red eye and I'm delivering <laughs> the State of the Union. I'm sorry if it doesn't make sense. America, forgive me if I ramble. But, <laughs> but like... I, as a as someone like it was given so many, um, it doesn't help when you get too detailed. I just think it doesn't because Americans don't want to hear that. Americans just want to hear statements like "we're gonna be okay," which I think he said very clearly like three times, several uh, times in a row. Right, and so that's like, that's <laughs> kind of like that's mostly you just have to figure out many different ways of saying "we're gonna be okay" to state of the union address. Nicole, well, the other thing that I uh, was interesting is that like his tone on the pandemic. He wasn't like, it's over, but it's like, let's get back to normal. How that did you, do you feel like that landed? So I think that it did in part because of what else was happening in that room. You saw all of these members of Congress and the cabinet and the Supreme Court, and they weren't wearing masks. Ooh. So visually, it looked like the pandemic was largely over. And that matches a couple of things that have happened recently. The move away from masking mandates, um, a change in the guidelines as Omicron has passed us by. A, a little bit of a, a caveat that, you know, we don't know what's around the corner, but that we should be relying on the vaccines and common sense and people's personal choices. And so, you know, it seems like he was matching the mood of the country and he was also backing it up with the decision for folks to come to the State of the Union without the the visual sign of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it 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 it, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was nice. Also, I feel like I, I one thing I really realized was that Kamala and Nancy had to do so much more work, like to keep their faces neutral not too feminine you know what i mean like we're strong leaders don't think don't think about how we're ladies like their faces have to do (laughs) a lot sitting there and they had to do that for whatever an hour and change um so i was and i was like oh the mask meant their faces had to do less work which must have been nice but any but no but i think they did a fantastic job with those faces um (laughs) adam any final thoughts on the state of the union uh, no, I mean, I, I do. Well, I do did notice that although there was no masking, there was still kind of a social distancing thing. Oh, yeah. Did you know, what I was wondering then, and it was weird for me to see everybody without masks, um, was is that sitting six feet apart thing? Is that the new normal? Is that something that's just going to stay? Because you know what? If they'd been sitting right next to each other like they used to, that would have made me uncomfortable. 
Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the pandemic has changed me. Yes, right. if you have room to leave a seat between people, you should. If, I was you know, actually they surprised had... that they did that because they also had to do a, a ta- you know, they had to do a negative PCR test to get in the room. So, uh, so they were really taking their precautions there. But yeah, they it, it was a little weird. I, it was it it expl- obviously. At first, I thought like, "Oh my God, so many Republicans just didn't come because they're like making Me a too. statement." That's what I thought, and then I was like, "Oh no, they're doing a thing." Okay. And then there was this one point where Biden said, "You know, he he name checked and, and introduced the ambassador from Ukraine, and he mentioned yeah, that yeah. that she was there with his wife Jill." And I looked and I was like, "There's an empty seat next to her." No, exactly. Jill, Jill must be in the bathroom. And then the, yeah, they yeah, pulled yeah. back a little bit, and, and she there was two she seats was. Away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, folks, we're going to get into that Ukraine uh, moment just after we hear about our fabulous sponsors. Um, And then when you come back, you'll know uh, that the ads are over because we will no longer be talking about sponsors. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. back and we're ready for topic number two so the most bipartisan show of support last night and we're taping on a wednesday is when uh biden introduced the ambassador of the ukraine who as you mentioned adam was sitting in the relatively near uh jill biden <laughs> um and i get and, and it, it was it was i mean it was a really gripping moment um nicole you mentioned being you know being moved by this moment what can you explain what happened 
Sure. So Biden spent not only introduced the um, ambassador to Ukraine, uh, ambassador from Ukraine, but spent some time talking about the bravery of the Ukrainian people and that the United States will stand by Ukraine. It won't will mostly only stand by Ukraine. It's it's not going to um, be getting involved militarily. But calling, you know, calling upon all of those images that we've seen over the past week of people who are facing one of the most militarily advanced armies on the planet yeah, coming like the for this most, little country. I think, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, particularly because it has nuclear weapons, which we can also talk about. But, you know, the the bravery of the Ukrainian people and the fact that they've lasted, that the country has stood um, so much longer than people actually thought that it would. People thought that the Russian army would just flatten Ukraine in just a few days, and it hasn't done that. And people have found that inspiring. Um, and you could see that, you know, in the very, very early days of this, there were there were a number of Republicans who are more of the nationalist wing, who seemed pretty pro-Putin, that seems to have collapsed. And now you have a kind of unity on foreign policy and an emotional unity that we have not seen in a very long time. And by the way, it collapsed very, I mean, very quickly, because I think as early as just like last week, they were still doing the Putin is a genius thing or whatever. Uh, So, but, but I do think, here's the thing, Adam. Did you know that these are the largest coordinated sanctions that they've had of all time? By the way, one of the things that I thought was really great was that Biden literally listed all of the things that we are doing. I think sometimes it feels like when you're doing sanctions or something that, you, that, that we're not doing anything because sanctions aren't something that you can like hold in your hand the way you can <laughs> a weapon. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I feel like that there's this thing of like, we're not doing anything. But like he listed all of these things, these kind of other tools, diplomatic tools we have among them, sanctions. So obviously we did the sanctions. But then the bigger thing is that the European Union did the sanctions and all the member nations, right, agree to it, which is something that's very, very rare. Um, But apparently the thing that happened was that Zelensky got on like a Zoom call from his bunker with all of these European Union leaders who were sitting around a comfortable conference table and was just like, you guys, I might might not be alive tomorrow. So whatever you got to do, you got to do it right now, you know? And that, it's one of those things where the EU, who kind of notoriously can't agree on shit like this, just immediately was like, yeah, this is crazy. Like, that dude is in a bunker and he might die. So uh, this is very serious. And so it's kind of, the the ruble has fallen as a result. You can't use Apple Pay, Google Pay. The airspace is closed to Russian travelers. They basically can't fly out. Um, FIFA, this seems dumb, but like on a cultural level, FIFA's like, no, thank you, Russian participation. Even Carnegie Hall is like, no, thank you, Russian directors. Adam, what did you make of, of everything that has been done by NATO, by the EU, uh, by the allies? Well, it's huge. Um, you know, you're absolutely right about FIFA. Not only did they shut them out of international competition, they they said you can't show up for the World Cup qualifying matches that they needed to do in order to be in the World Cup, which is coming up later this year. Um, so those things really do matter. Um, I don't know that they're going to militarily save Ukraine. But when when the conflict started seven days ago, there were all these optimists, some of them conservative and some of them liberal on Twitter, 
once Ukraine started putting up some real resistance and Zelensky started speaking on social media, there were a lot of optimists who said, Putin has miscalculated. He didn't know how badly he, you know, he had misstepped and overreached and that whether they win or lose, they're going to lose. And I thought that was wildly optimistic. And now that seems like a very rational viewpoint. I mean, Russia has been shut out and shut down. And no matter what happens with this campaign, and there's the very real possibility that this is just one man, Putin, you know, out on a ledge by himself uh, soon even in terms of his own country. Uh, no matter what happens right now, I do think down the road, Russia is going to be hugely diminished. Russia's already lost in a way because that unity that we've seen in Europe, even experts on the European Union a week ago would have said it will never happen. That's and so the fact, true. Yeah. The fact that they've been able to unite the EU, to unite NATO, to change public opinion across Europe about the goodness of NATO, that's the thing that Putin was supposed to be trying to prevent. And here we He's are. He's been working against it. I mean, as we know, all these disinformation campaigns that to divide nations kind of across the board, Europe and here. And as uh, as Nagin, you pointed out, the uh, last night at the State of the Union address, everybody rising to support Ukraine again and again and again, that... It was also kind of interesting watching how all the Republicans had to do that little delicate two-step as they danced slowly <laughs> away from how badly hosed they'd yes. been by Trump yeah. to, to, to where they want to be, which is like, you know, championing freedom fighters against the commies. Right. No, exactly. Where Reagan was or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Nicole, one of the things that that's like, I think, worrisome is that the Russians on their end, like the people in Russia, don't necessarily know what's going on, except for like their mon money is suddenly kind of getting worthless. Um, they don't know the extent. I mean, maybe they're figuring it out every time they try and like, you know, buy a, a loaf of bread or whatever. But but what what do you think would will happen because there's such like information asymmetry right where they're not getting the real news they're they're hearing that it's like a limited attack right the, the news is being controlled on their end so they don't actually know the the like level of like dickishness that um their leader has taken well, look, when you live in a propaganda-saturated society, one that doesn't have a free media, you get used to reading against the grain. So it's not that Russian people don't have a sense of what's happening. And one of the things that tells us that is that you have thousands of people in Russia who have been arrested for protesting, which is an act of just tremendous bravery on their part, because there is no right to protest in Russia. They knew that by taking to the streets or putting out signs that say no war, that they were going to go to jail. And they know that those jails aren't great. <laughs> uh, for political dissidents in uh, Russia. Um, but look, the Russian people are going to suffer badly. They're going to suffer if they're conscripted into the army. They're going to suffer from their economy collapsing. I mean, we also don't know what the long-term consequences of crashing the Russian economy is going to be. It could really damage Putin. It could help him consolidate even more as a strong man and you know, strengthen his resolve and heighten his ambitions. So it's a... It's a pretty terrible situation. Um, and the Russian people, you know, they, they don't have the right to choose their own leaders. And they're suffering because of the country they were born in. 
Oh, okay. Well, you know what, folks? All we can do is fucking um, watch what happens. It's so scary and weird. Um, I know uh, I'm going to be doing some more research on on ways to support the Ukrainian people. I think the International Rescue Committee is taking um, donations specifically for this. Um, But don't quote me on that. Again, I haven't had a chance. (laughs) Did I say I was on a red eye? Okay. Um, And no, no, I didn't pay for the internet on the airplane that's like the one place in the world that i feel like it's okay not to respond to an email when you're on a plane so you know um but folks let uh let's uh keep we're gonna keep an eye on this um let me know what you think uh it's crazy it's scary it's sad and um yeah that's i don't i don't think there's any other words i I will say yeah please i will say that we do have a pretty good example of worst case scenario for a celebrity president and best case scenario for a celebrity president yes right totally um okay well uh let's move on to topic number three Guys, by this point in the show, we are usually knee deep in some stupid cultural item. And but this week, there's just so much going on politically that we're just going to do a quick nod to uh, what's happening uh, with the Supreme Court nomination. So on the heels of this international upheaval in the Ukraine, Biden also announced his pick for the Supreme Court. It's Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, I just off the bat, like, Adam, what do you think of her? I love her. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you know what? Here, I'll bring it a little more to the pop culture okay. thing because shortly after she was nominated, somebody tweeted out. Uh, this will bring it back into the NPR extended universe. Somebody printed out a program from the Harvard Hasty Pudding Club's production <laughs> of uh, Little Shop of Horrors from uh-huh. 1988. Stop it. Seymour uh-huh. Krellborn was played by our own Mo Rocca. Really? Yeah, yes. And and Katanji was playing Ronette, one no. of the three singers. Yes, they were in it together. And not only that, and here's a, something a little a personal trivia. My wife saw that production. She was a freshman in Harvard at the time. Can That's we, how I know okay. Mo Rocca in the first place. And she had some thoughts about Katanji, who she knew. So she, so what you're saying is basically Katanji has been on Fake the Nation. Basically. Like basically. Essentially, that's what you're saying. You can make that claim. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, uh, but she, what my wife had to say about yeah, her is that yeah, let's, like, let's she didn't it. know her that well. Okay. Uh, but she did know her. You know her in terms of saying hi to her and stuff. Yeah. And she said, one thing I knew about her is that absolutely nobody didn't like her a lot. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, isn't that nice? It, I wanted to brighten up stuff. You know, and I want to say, for so she went to Harvard twice for undergrad and for, for grad, uh, law school. Um, and I want to say that I think that sort of tracks because she, she was uh, recently – like in less than a year ago, uh, nominated for the what's the name of that a DC appeals court. So she got she was um, awarded awarded that that position. What? Sure. What are these words? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she got that thing, and um, and during that nomination process, they really tried to dig all the dirt up on her because they knew that someone who was being nominated for the appeals court would probably also be the Supreme Court nominee, right? So they were like, yeah, we got to do our job here. So all let's get all the parking tickets out, you know? <laughs> and they, 
it was like so weird they couldn't find very much on her right like nicole what do you think i mean how what's her what's her backstory here is she just like a nice lady she is a nice lady. Um, she comes up from, you know, a family where she had both a lot of police officers in her family and also people who had gone to prison for life um, under some of the three strike oh, yeah. laws. Mm-hmm. She worked as a public defender. And important trivia, she's the sister-in-law of Paul Ryan. No, she's like the sister and sister and sister-in-law. Yeah. Like she's the sister-in-law, sister-in-law twice removed. removed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's got some crazy connection to Paul Ryan. I would say she's been more an alumnus of Fake the Nation than she is related to Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, I'll, and, and interestingly, you mentioned she was a cr- criminal defense attorney. She also defended someone, a detainee at Guantanamo Bay. Like she's really done some interesting things in her career. And I didn't quite realize this, but, you know, Supreme Court justices generally don't have that kind of a resume, right? The kind of like do-gooder resume. Um, they usually have a little bit more of a corporate resume or whatever. There, there's more prosecutorial stuff on their resumes. Um, and so this was like uh, a part of Biden's goal to have more people who have less money but are still very, very distinguished in their careers uh, come forward uh, to uh, become Supreme Court nominees. So I thought that was really cool. So I mean, yeah I, yeah, I think the last public defender was Thurgood Marshall, um, which wow. is pretty amazing. It's nuts. I mean, guys, that was a long time ago. So <laughs> a Adam, long time ago. three Republicans voted for her uh, for the appeals courtship, judgeship court. Um, do you <laughs> gift? <laughs> do you think just? Um, a whole bunch more are going to vote for her this time. <laughs> Do that I, thing I, where you predict something and it's ridiculous to make that prediction. I think it'll be an old-fashioned 97 to 3 appointment. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I mean... But I, I do think I do think she'll she'll pass through, and I, I hope hopefully very easily. She's super qualified, and the only real pushback I've seen is people saying, "How can Biden in advance say he's going to find a a black woman to put on the Supreme Court?" And it's like, it's not like there aren't a lot of people qualified to sit on the Supreme Court. This this isn't the Matrix. There isn't just the one that Biden right. has to find from a stack. <laughs> and, and the fact is there have been black women qualified to sit on the Supreme Court for a for, long time. For 150 years. I want to point this out. I don't want to go all historian on our historian, but I did look this one up. <laughs> it, this is the 150th, if I've done my math right, anniversary of 1872, Charlotte E. Ray became the first black woman to graduate from an American law school. So there have been qualified black women for a long time. So I th- I don't think that argument's going to hold much water. I'm re- I'm really hoping for it not to be a squeaker because also, she yeah. does, she belongs. It um I also just personally have taken to not even referencing that because I mentioned this on a previous show like the Serena Williams thing where people say you're the best female athlete in the world and she'll she'll correct them and just be like no no the best athlete in the world yes um I don't even want to put any qualifier qualifiers on a purse because I've 
also experienced that in my life as like, oh, it's great to have you as a female comic on the lineup. It's great to have you as a Muslim comic on the, you know, in the room or whatever, like that kind of thing. And I'm like, don't fucking qual. It's let me just be a funny person. And then I'm here because I work really hard and I'm good. Um, and so, yeah, so I just in my personal life, in conversations that I have with my dog, uh, for example, will not <laughs> refer to uh, to anything other than she's just a brilliant person or whatever. So I blew it right there. You right? Re- yeah, you really fucked up, Adam. <laughs> and this was, you're really auditioning to be on the show again. And I'm telling you, Damn it's it. not looking good. Okay. Um, all right, folks. <laughs> let me know what you think of this nomination. Make your wild predictions to me at all of the social medias that we should not be looking at. Um, and in the meantime, we will move on to topic number four. Uh, oh, here's one of our dumb topics that I love so much. We've all been there. We've dated someone that our friends don't like, or our friends have dated a dude who's like the human equivalent of a doorstop uh what where do you land on this uh how has it played into your life have you been the person that's dated a shitty person have you do you have friends that have dated a shitty person have you been able to incorporate them or not just give me the dirt so i have definitely been on both sides of this and i think that the uh, in my experience, the trick is on both sides of it is the more you talk about how shitty your partner is, because on some level, you kind of know that they're a shitty partner. um, The more that your friends aren't going to want to hear about it, but are also going to dislike your partner. And it makes it that much more difficult to integrate the person into their life. So if you constantly call me crying about what a douchebag your boyfriend is. Right. It's um, hard to that keep makes it, it very hard to him. Yeah. make him dinner for a dinner party. Or her, by the way. I made this sound like it's only um, ladies dating shitty guys. In fact, I, uh, I, I have a dude friend who's, um, whose wife is tough. Uh, whose wife is tough. <laughs> And, uh, and so, yeah, so there's, there's shitty people on all sides of the, um, gender spectrum. Um, Adam, what, have you dated someone that people don't like? Oh yeah. I've been, I, um, just like Nicole, I've been on both sides of this. And I think what wisdom has taught me is that if you're dating someone that's incompatible with your friends or your friends don't like, they're right and you're wrong. I mean, like, almost always. Almost always. You know, the thing that you never hear somebody say is like, yeah, all my friends hated her at first, but it turns out they were all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's never been said. So I've been on both sides. As a quick rejoinder to that, my husband had a friend who, and he didn't like his friend's girlfriend, and then at some point, like, as a sort of intervention... Uh, because all of the dudes didn't like the friend. As an intervention said, like, we don't think you should move forward with this lady. Uh, he did. They got married and had kids. And now they seem to be in a very happy marriage. <laughs> so so it turns out they were all wrong. But, okay. it, but it is a rare, ex- I would say it is a rare exception. And I've not experienced it in my own life. So you had another a point you were going to make, Adam. Oh, yeah. Just because I'd already mentioned uh, my wonderful wife. I met her in a friend intervention. It, oh. It, it, she, oh. And her, she and a buddy of hers had another friend and, who was dating a guy that they thought was terrible. And they were like, well, let's just invite all our favorite single men out 
and uh, and and not tell these single men that they were being set up, but just that way, Debbie will see that there's that there better are guys single out men. there. Oh my yes. god, this was like an early version of The Bachelorette. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Although none of us guys knew i just showed up and and by you know an hour and a half in i was bored and playing pinball and my future wife joined me there for a game of pinball wow that's really cute yeah tragic what happened to that woman we were intervening with though (laughs) (laughs) right there were matches made just not with the person who needed them right i mean uh i i get i guess my question is like how much do you give the person i i find it very difficult Personally, when I I think I always I often think that if I don't like someone, it's because I haven't given them enough of a shot, you know, that I'm just being too judgmental. And if I really tried, I can make this work like I can make a friendship with this uh, with my friend's partner. Uh, How much do you like how much leeway do you have? How much do you try? Like how much do you really try? I think it really depends on what is happening with your friend? Like, is this person just someone you don't vibe with? Or is this somebody who is making your friends, like, actively worse? Right. Like, are they crying all the time? Are they, like, giving their partner all of their money and driving themselves into bankruptcy? Like, how toxic (laughs) is the relationship? Is there there a Tinder swindler element? Exactly. (laughs) Does the person really exist? Or is your friend being catfished? Right, right. Right. So, but if, if your friend is... If they're losing a part of themselves in the relationship, that's when you say something and you intervene. Otherwise, you know, we're never going to love our friends' partners as much as they love them, hopefully, because otherwise that gets tricky really fast. (laughs) Um, So it's okay to have differences or not really like them. But if it's if they're bad for the person, that's when you you want to say something. Well, the, the other arrangement that I've seen happen in my own life is there are friends that I have that just have completely separate social lives from their romantic life. You know, so I know a dude who uh, whenever we hang out, it's like his wife is nowhere to be found. Now, it it just so happens that part of the reason for that is they don't want to pay for a babysitter. I mean, they can't. It's just not affordable. So someone has to stay home. So they kind of like have, have engineered these separate social lives so that one of them babysits, the other one has fun, and then vice versa. Um, but I but I, I can imagine people also engineering a situation where they're like, look, everyone, you know, hates my husband, so I'm just going to go out with my friends and then like not try and integrate them. I mean, have you seen that successfully work for very long? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, at least not in my life. It does seem that eventually, you know, you're going to spend some time with with your friend's spouse or significant other, and um, they you can't balkanize your life forever. I mean, eventually something happens. I, I do think that it is. It kind of changes as people age. Like, like a lot of people when you're when you're in your twenties might not like your new uh, partner yeah. because. You know, you feel abandoned. It's really as simple as that. Like the first few people over the hill into pairdom are the ones where Mm -hmm. where their friends are going to be like, man, you used to be so much fun. And now you're happy, and that sucks. You know, but <laughs> you know, it's funny because I feel like the thing that I did a lot in my twenties because I didn't want to ever be the the girl that the the dude friends 
hated for taking their friend away. So I was just like, let's all go out and I'm going to drink as much as your guy friends and we're going to talk about sports and I'm going to pretend like I super love talking about sports. And so I just sort of like was like, yeah, I can hang with the dudes. And I really did that. Like, and it was successful. I mean, I feel, I feel, I think, I think it was successful. Nobody told me to my face that it wasn't successful, but I tried really hard so that, so that I wasn't accused of being like a downer or just like, you know. It's been such an effort though, right? I mean, I don't know. I was in my 20s. I had a lot of energy for shit like that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, but I uh but yeah, it's 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 funny cuz now the 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 social effort I make is like with parents of random children, you know. <laughs> That's where where I'm doing a similar thing. It's just like I'm not pounding beers, but I am pounding juice boxes, you know, just to like make an in with these random parents that I'm uh that I'm coming across. Um, well, folks, let me know where do you stand on this. Oh, and actually, I just want to shout out the article that gave us the idea to talk about this issue. It's um, you can find it in Vogue. It's called "What Happens If Your Friends Don't Like Your Partner" by Carly uh, Ciortino. So uh, check that out. It's a really fun piece. All right, um, folks, that is the end of the show. You guys are just so gosh darn delightful thank you so much for doing the show and what i would really love is for the people of fake the nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things you do nicole where do they do that uh well you can follow me on twitter at past punditry i write a weekly column at cnn.com um and you can hear me on this day in esoteric political history or on my podcast past present Jesus Christ, you're uh, you're busy. You're busy. Okay. I got a few things. That's you why have I don't a lot. There's so many, many ways to connect with Nicole and read and hear all of the wonderful things that she does. You should absolutely do that. I'm I'm convinced. Also, folks um, who don't know, Jody Avergan is one of the co-hosts of this day in Astrag Political History, and uh, you know, so uh, I, I I know that you will love that podcast and um, everything that Nicole does, Adam. Where yeah. can they find you? Well, you can find me at Adam Felber on all the uh, all the socials. And, of course, you can hear me co-hosting Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, which is a podcast that coincidentally also involves Paula Poundstone. Um, <laughs> my new book just came out a couple of months ago. It's I co-wrote it with a, with a B-movie impresario named Charles Band. It's called Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking. And this guy's life is 100% batshit insane. So that book is... Worth your time, but mainly, Nagina, if I can do this, please. Dad Band Land. That's my new podcast, and it is so fun. It is an exploration of all the music that you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band, of which I am a member. <laughs> oh my God. I love the idea of this podcast. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into it. Um, everyone should be immediately uh, subscribing. Uh, if they if they haven't already subscribed to to Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone, do that. And then immediately go subscribe to Dad Badland because it sounds so fucking fun and I know Adam and I know that it is fun and folks you know where to find me and all the things that I do and I just want to remind you that on May 4th I'm going to be in Irvine at the Improv Irvine California and on May 6th I'm going to be at Ralph's Rock Diner in Worcester Massachusetts 
All of these links are available on my website. I know that I've done an extremely terrible job at updating the website uh, for the last pandemic, but it is now up to date and you can see all my dates and I'm going to be announcing a couple more dates next week. So uh, keep an ear out for dates and all the places that you can come see me. Um, thanks to everybody who came out to see me in Indianapolis last night. That was so fun. Uh, and you know who I would really like to thank about this show? It's the wonderful people that make it happen. It is our fantastic producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our amazing sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. Our theme music was written by the one and only Gabby Alter. And as always, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really does help people find the show. You can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Email us with any of your races to watch um, recommendations. Uh, Again, I'll be jumping back into races to watch next week. uh, So send them over and we will be talking about those. And you can join the Patreon for bonus content and so much more at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And we'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>